the basis of, of everything that we're teaching wasn't just rodeo. It was about work, work ethic, about having pride in, in what you have and earning your way down the road, whether it's equipment, whether it's entry fees, whether it's gas money, figure out a way how to work it off and earn it so you can rodeo. Mindset, business, or action inside the arena. Your host, Josie Young, National Finals Rodeo Qualifier, successful business owner, and entrepreneur, brings it from his tack room to yours. This is Tack Room Talk. Every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling. How are we on the mics here? Drew? How about Drew Taylor on the music? This is Tack Room Talk. I'm your host, Josie Young, and you guys are in for a treat today. You know, we got a couple of guys on, on the show today that we're going to have some good conversations with, and uh, I want to welcome everybody. This is actually the first live show that we've done on Tack Room Talk, and uh, there ain't a lot of us in here today, but we are going to have a good time. I promise you that. So um, the first two guests that I want to welcome to the show today are a couple of world champions. One in the team roping and one in the bareback riding. We got Wesley Thorpe and Kelly Timmerman. Welcome to the show, everyone. Hey, Josie, thanks for having us, buddy. Yeah, welcome, guys. Welcome, Wesley. How is it, buddy? It's good. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, first off, great job last night. You know, uh, I I'm an avid team roper, and uh, that's why I, that's why I started doing after I I rode bareback horses, and I did it a little bit while I was riding bareback horses too. But man, I just noticed the uh, the shot that you took last night was extremely smart. I mean, there's there's some young guys that probably would have pulled the trigger a little sooner. And uh, walk us through that run that you did last night. You know, it was the first round, and uh, our steer, I got just a little bit to the inside. Cody did a good job getting it on him, and he just went a, a stride further down the arena, and I ended up on the inside. And I, I wanted to take the throw, but hindsight, I mean, it's the first round's usually not too hard to get money if you make a good solid run. So I just wanted to kind of stick to my game plan, take the first best throw I see, and, you know, I end up having to take one more swing. But it was good to get the week started off right, and we won fifth in the first round. and. It's just good to get the momentum started, and um, it's just always easier to build off of that as the week goes on. Yeah, you know, I noticed that uh, the team roping, uh, you know, any event really, but usually when it starts out slow, it seems to carry on. And, uh, you know, what, what, is your, what is your mindset and your, and your game plan when that happens, when you're down the list a little bit? So it, it's kind of like the, you know, it could go either way. It's snowball or avalanche. You know, it can, if it gets going good, it's, it's easy to build on. And the first two or three rounds usually aren't super tough. And as you go further, the times get faster. So if, it, if you start off bad, you start thinking, well, I'm not in the average anymore. I got to start going faster. And you kind of start abandoning your game plan as you go. So if you can start out, uh, stick with your game plan, and it works a little bit, it's a lot easier to get traction. And then you know, all of a sudden, you draw a great steer, and you got a little momentum. You got some confidence. Um, your horses feel good under you. It's a lot easier for it to go really, really well. But if, it, if you get start off, stump your toe, take a bad shot, then you start second-guessing yourself a little bit. You start really trying to speed up or do some things you wouldn't normally do, and you get outside of your comfort zone, it could really go the other way fast, and it's just hard to get much traction. Yeah. No, I wanted to bring that up because I thought you did a fantastic job last night, so good job, and, and hopefully the rest of the week just continues to get even better. So. Thank you. Hey, Kelly. This is, hey, hey, I got him on my fantasy team. You, you, know? you do? That many people come up and be like, hey, I got you on your fantasy team. You know, we, we were down there a little ways. <laughs> a lot, yeah, I've gotten that a lot. I, we were down there a little ways in the standings, so um, I've had a lot of people tell me that we were their pick <laughs> this year in the, I, yeah, this fantasy. I hate when people do that, just so you know. I do, too. I, that's why I brought I mean, up. I, and I don't have a fantasy yeah. team. I'm just so, so just so you know, when I made the finals, I come in. I think I come in number five. I think you were four. Yeah. I was number five, yeah. and uh, I actually break, I break my pelvis in the very first round, which sucked. Yeah. I, rode, I rode four more rounds with a broken pelvis, but uh, I did hear that a lot. You, you were my fantasy pick. I'm like, well, <laughs> sorry. <Right. laughs> I apologize for that. But, 
Kelly, what brings you to Vegas right now? What are you doing in Vegas? My, my wife's running barrels over at New Orleans on a, on a horse that you finished for us in the team roping. You know, so it's kind of it's 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 fun because with with bareback riding, I never took a horse with me. You know what I mean? And yeah. and people are they're like, what do you think about the you know having a horse or bell race? And I said, man. I love it. When I was when I was a kid growing up, you know, my, most people don't know. I didn't get a rodeo as a kid through high school and all that. My dad rodeoed and was kind of the party guy and didn't want me to pursue that that route. So he kept me into football and wrestling and showing steers and everything outside of rodeo. But he could never beat that hunger, right? So <clears throat> being a horseman first was probably the biggest thing for me outside rodeo, showing horses riding horses that we raised you know my dad roped too kind of like your dad just all around type guy and but i got a chance to work with this really really great cowboy in hyattville wyoming had i don't know how many acre ranches in wyoming are massive compared to stuff that you hear like in texas i mean there's some big ones in texas around but we have million acre ranches by the dozen in wyoming like it's it's unfathomable to think about but that's a reality we do have that kind of country and for people to be able to work that kind of kind of environment with cattle and horses, you have to be quite a hand, like quite quite a real cowboy with being able to work those wild cattle, the horses, all that. And this old boy took me under his wing and really was teaching me. And he was always giving me these these lessons, you know, these he, these questions of of learning is what I would call them. And he would say, well, you know, if we got a bunch of cows mowing up there and we got some that are really hauling up to the gate, what do we what are we gonna do? You know, so we're we're gonna sit back here and let them just ease their way through. It's little stuff like that. And one day he grabbed me and he's like, all right. And I was riding about seven colts for him at the time, and he says, uh, what's the most athletic horse in the rodeo arena? And I was like, oh, got to be a calf horse, man. Runs better than I like stops, right? So I was like, got to be a calf horse. Run in there, sit on his butt, and run backwards. He's like, nope, it's the barrel horse. Barrel horse is the only horse in the, in the rodeo arena that's got to run, stop, and turn at full speed all at the same time. And ever since then, I had a really big fondness for the athleticism of those horses. And what I've come to find out is, is a lot of cowbred horses are probably the best barrel horses that are out there. But it's the riders that separate from, from the others in their abilities to handle those horses. So the horsemanship is kind of full swing. So I spend a lot of hands-on with, with my horse, even though my wife's riding her. Like, I'm the one that does the most of the work with her because <clears throat> the better we are with handler, whether on the ground or on her back, the better she does. So it's been, it's fun, man. I get up first time in Vegas where probably not hung over in the morning getting out of bed and I got a purpose to go clean stalls and take care of something more than myself, you know, so it's, it's been pretty fun. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's amazing how uh, as life goes on, your, your motives and your targets and your goals change. I was just talking to my, to my uh, wife last night. We were at the room and I was answering some emails. I had half my screen answering emails. The other half was watching the rodeo. And I was like, man, a few years ago, this this wouldn't have happened, <laughs> but you know that it, it just changes as as you as you get older. Um, Wesley, let's talk about you know you do a lot of training stuff. Um, how important is it to actually the rider work on themselves more than the horse first? And do you believe in that? Yeah. So like with the horses, it's been really cool to me. I grew up. My granddad was a good horseman, so I was around young horses and stuff uh, a lot. But and got a good background in that and have been fortunate to have some good mentors that were really good horsemen as well. But um, the patience that comes with it and to be able to understand they're all different is very unique for me. And it's just fun to be able to ride the different kind of horses and see which ones adapt. And I've really, you know, focused up my, my granddad was a big time trainer, not as much of a competitor. And growing up, he was all about spending a lot of time per horse, just taking the time, you know, take them outside, take the tie down off, little things like that, that I didn't have the patience for in my mind. And then it came back full circle to me as I've gotten, you know, the past couple of years, I'm like, there's got to be something to differentiate you at the highest level. And that it comes down to horsemanship and to be able to have your your horse be as good as he can be, but then also get the most out of him you can and what that takes to do that. Um, it took me to just go spend more time with him, even my good horse, and, and learn how much riding it takes per horse and what element and what you could do to slow their mind down and, and think about that. It, it was cool for me to see because, you know, the first time I made it, I did not have the patience for it. I couldn't have made myself do it. I just... 
I was in such a competitive mode that I finally had to really reevaluate myself the past, you know, two, three years into it, say, what's it going to take for me to get over that hump and get further along? And to me, it came down to just really reading the horse, each horse for what they were and how much time was needed and needed to be spent with them. You know, that's a great point. Uh, anybody who follows me on Instagram or yeah. Facebook, you know that I'm fully involved and deep in business. And, and one of my mentors uh, had told me uh, about the three T's, transactional, transitional, and transformational. And this subject reminds me of this a little bit because I feel like when we just saddle horses and we just go rope all the time, we're just, we're just roping all the time. That's transactional, right? It's super transactional because it's, it's a little bit more for yourself than the horse, right? So what do we do to get outside that realm? Take the tie down off, go outside, take them, take them out of the zone that they're in all the time so that we can be transitional. And then when we come back to the, to the rope and pin, that's transformational because the horse is calmer, they're, they're listening, they, they're excited about what they're doing. Because you think about it, I mean, it, it gets a little repetitious when we do the things that we do every single day. Like, take them out of, their, out of their comfort zone a little bit. You know, what I'm doing right here, this is my first live show. I'm getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, for sure. You know, so, so that, that, that's a good thing. It's a, it's a great point. Absolutely. I mean, it's easy. You know, I call it being greedy a little bit. It's, it's easy to go want to run a bunch of steers and have fun and do, do what's the most fun for you. But yep. sometimes you have to do what you don't want to do in certain situations to get the most out of it. So the results are always more, um, you know, enjoyable than the process sometimes. But you have to be able to enjoy both. Absolutely. Now, Kelly, wh when's the, when was the last time you got on a bucking horse? Well, last time competitively was the buck and ball a couple of years ago. Yeah. I got on a yanking runaway of Hanks, and it's funny because you, I think about this a lot, man. And the reason, because you always want to get off a great horse, like for your last horse, right? Yeah. And they're like, well, when was the last time you got off? They asked that all the time, and it was a, he was not a good horse, and Hanks got a lot better horses now, so... I might have to do this again one of these days just to end on a good note because it was not a good note. But, but yeah, I'd, I hate that you're saying that because right? it, like you're you're a good buddy of mine and we talk a lot. Then my mind gets to rolling, and then my wife might glare at me here a second. She's like, "No, you're not doing that." Well, it, here's the thing, and this is this is funny. So most people they come up to me and ask me. So I retired pretty early in my career. I, I went to the final seven years in a row. And they just pulled turkey, was done. Everybody thought I was hurt, injured, and it wasn't. I, I was able to get custody of my daughter. She was 15, so I stayed home to be a dad. So I took the five years, but you know, get her through high school and into college, and then I decided to come back for like a hurrah return to rodeo. And I've had the same trainer when I started out. It was Chad Smith with Orthopedic Center of the Rockies. Trained the U.S. Olympic wrestling team. I mean, was just a phenomenal guy to have in my corner for getting me to that next level physically, mentally, whatever. And uh, so, <laughs> so I decided, man, I'm coming back. 2000 uh, was 15. 2015, no, it was 16. 2016 is going to be my year, and I started training that September of the year before. Like I'm coming back. I've got three months to get ready for Denver. Blah blah. I started training, and after about a month, I called Chad up and said, buddy, I cannot get over being sore. Like, I am sore every day, and I'm doing the same workouts. I'm doing the same routine that we did before, and I'm getting there. I'm eating right. Like, I'm even eating better and doing all these things. He said, you're just going to have to deal with the fact that you're older. <laughs> and, like, your body's going to take longer to heal. And that didn't sit well with me. And I just kept training, kept working. But the truth was, it did take me longer to recover. It did take me longer to heal. But in my mind, I was not going to come back and be the old guy that shows back up the rodeo just to be there. I was going to come back to win first. So there was a major difference from the mentality standpoint and the work ethic that it took to get me there. I trained for seven months, seven months to get back to where I knew I was in a winning spot. I started rodeoing, I guess that, well, Guyman would have been my first one, didn't get on anything good there, didn't win anything, and then... June through July, like I hit it hard. I was sitting 13th in the world when I made, got through at the short goat Cheyenne and broke my foot. That was the only time I sidelined, but I put so much effort in to be that top level that it was, I haven't had that much drive since to get there. 
and that's the main reason that I haven't got back on. That was probably the nastiest picture that I've ever seen on a broken foot too. Like, too. like <laughs> I, I, I heard that you had broke your foot, but I like when we got together and you oh, were showing me the pictures of it, it was like, explain to everybody what happened. Yeah. So, so, you know, part, part of the deal, like old school bareback riders make the pickup man. The reason we make the pickup man is because number one, it's safer. They're there for a reason. But two is the, the flank is still on the horse. When the bareback rider gets off, the horse wins the battle, right? So it's a way for the horse to, to get that pat on his back. At least he's a steel buck when the guy got off his back. Well, there was this big transition rodeo where they came in and they're pulling the flanks and then getting the cowboy. I don't understand it. I think it's one of those things where every, to each their own, everybody's got their opinion on it. For me, it's like I want the horse to win no matter what. I don't have to ride around the arena 15 laps to get my hand out, which a lot of guys do now. Whatever, it's one of them deals. But That's a whole nother show. Yeah, it's just, but, it, but anyway, what happened was is that there was, there's a bunch of pickup men in, in the arena at Cheyenne and a lot of helpers too. And one of the guys that was there, he uh, rolled in and pulled the flank on the horse that I was on and didn't have anybody there with him and just left me. And the sad part was is I told him, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready about probably four or five jumps across there. I actually had a really nice hopper. So I was ready to get off and show off at Cheyenne, like close to my hometown. And I should have just jumped on the horse's neck because he was right there for about four jumps. But he pulled the flank and then just rode off and left me. And the horse I had was one of Corco's that was a running sucker. And he took off and run around that end and they couldn't catch me. And when they rolled in to get me, really good pick and rolled in to get me when I got off, grabbed the cantle of the saddle, slid off like you're supposed to, like, you know, great position, everything. But when I did, that horse stepped into the fence by the camera pit caught my foot on a metal post and i mean just took all my my big toe my second toe my third toe and my ring toe all over the top of my pinky toe <laughs> i mean it, it it was nasty i've seen it, the pictures of it yeah and it i mean it ripped my boot completely in half the the only thing that kept my boot together was the the metal and the arch but it ripped the whole top all the way over the craziest thing is like it sh just smoked my foot but didn't even bruise my ankle because I had my, my spurs tied on and stuff, you know. But, yeah. but that was the only injury that I had in my whole rodeo career that ever sidelined me from not being able to, to compete. Yeah. So it was God saying, hey, I got a heavy hand sometimes to push you in a, a direction that I want you to go. Maybe this isn't it right now. Yeah, that's the biggest thing that people, that <laughs> people fail to uh, recognize is they, they think about the moment. You know, uh, one thing that I've learned a lot in my, in my day and age is that problems are only new opportunities, right? So what is the opportunity that presents itself at this point in time, right? And uh, so we, we really have to think that way because there are always opportunities. There's a reason why stuff happens in the moment. And that's one thing that I want to push on to other people is that if you look for that and figure out exactly what the reasoning is, I promise you'll be happy. Oh, for, you know, and it's the, the craziest thing about it. And the, way, and the way I say that God has a way of push it, pushing us, has a heavy hand, some of us that are a little bit hard-headed, you know, to get us into a direction he wants to go. When it happened, the guy that did the surgery on my foot was on call at Cheyenne that day. Mm -hmm. They were able to get me right in ice it, <clears throat> x-rayed it right there on rodeo grounds. I was in surgery within an hour after it happened. And that surgeon sat down and told me, he said, if, if, you weren't, if I wouldn't have been on call and I couldn't have got you into surgery within the two-hour span of kind of where, where we were at in between that, you probably would have lost your foot because it was that bad. Yeah. And did the surgery, everything in there. Six weeks, I went elk hunting. I'm like, can I go? Because you know how it is. Like, I'm a diehard elk hunter. That's why I stay in Wyoming if anybody really wants to know with the winter and the weather. I'm always afraid to go uh, with him because his honey hole is a grizzly country. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to get eight. <laughs> so. But, but I went elk hunting. And I, I called my doc. I'm like, hey, doc. So I'm going elk hunting. Should I wear my boot the whole time? Or what, what should I do? And we're, and we're 10, 15 miles up back in the wilderness, you know. And he's like, well. Take it with, he said, but I built it to stay, so it would probably be the best therapy in the world when you're up there. And Man, that thing would swell up, and I'd put it in some of the creeks that are up high like that. And you talk, ice bucket of ice water is cold, but you put your foot in a, in a stream up in the mountains like that, it is ten times colder. Yeah. But I've got 100% mobility in my foot. Like, it's even prettier than my good foot, you know? So it's yeah. like, you're right. Like, God has a way, of, like, your direction, but the purpose behind is, like, what – 
what more can you do? And, and during that time, <clears throat> I was working with the PRS, got off the side, I've been able to do, there for a while we were doing 10 bareback schools a year for all ages, from you know, college, high school level to junior rodeo to the little kids from six years up, you know? And we got to where we were for four years consecutive, we'd have anywhere from 30 to 50 kids at our rodeo schools. And that's unheard of in a bareback school. Mm. But the basis of, of everything that we're teaching wasn't just rodeo, it was about work, work ethic, about having pride in, in what you have and earning your way down the road, whether it's equipment, whether it's entry fees, whether it's gas money, figure out a way how to work it off and earn it so you can rodeo. At Silver Lining Herbs, our mission is to deliver natural health products and education that help provide optimal care for yourself and your animals. With countless products for your horses, dogs, and the whole family, we have something to offer for just about anything. Visit our website at www.silverliningherbs.com or give us a call at 866-543-6956. Silver Lining Herbs, the standard for a healthy life. So not only were we doing, building some really good bareback riders and, you know, hopefully producing, you know, some guys to go down the road and build our sport, but also good Americans that are going to be sustainable to our communities and people to look up to and, and have a, a, a longevity of successful life, whether it's friendships, marriage, jobs, business, whatever, you know, so that was... That was a big purpose in my life for a long time. And, and still to this day, I have those kids that are sending me messages on Facebook, text messages, asking for help. And, and the cool thing about it, I was able to do all that stuff without really having to charge them a whole ton of money. Because most rough stock kids don't have a lot of money, you know. Yeah. And being able to give them the highest level school to show them the proper technique, the work ethic, because that's the biggest thing. If they're not working hard, you're not going to be successful. I don't care what you're doing in life. You're just not going to get there. But to show them how to do that work, but stay consistent at it. And really, if they didn't ever ride another bareback horse and never went to a school, it didn't matter because what we instilled in them was something that will last with them for the rest of their life. And I wish that more kids had opportunities like that. And, you know, and there's two ways, like you, you, you see all these kids out there that are great at basketball, football, and gymnastics, and all these things. Well, these parents knew, have found out a long time ago that if they associated their kids around the best athletes in the world or whatever they were doing, then those kids are going to emulate and pull off of those things and be great as well. And it's just like you growing up around your dad and, and Casey Fields' dad, Louie, and all those guys, like, you were always at a higher level in competition with what you're doing. Same with your family and your dad and your grandpa and who you were around. It gave you the ability to understand a different level without knowing that it was different. It was just a commonality. But if more people were able to put their kids in that scenario, imagine the success those kids would have for the rest of their life, whether it's just finance, which is huge. I don't know why parents and, and schools don't teach more about budgeting and finance and residual income like you know what I mean that's another completely yeah. different subject but what do our kids need to be their very best for the rest of their life because we're not talking about just our transition into their life we're talking about a legacy for generation after generation after generation if we do that for our kids that lasts for all of America right we're building the right people that we need in this country today tomorrow and then years generations to come we're getting a little bit soft. We need to put a little bit hard back in our country. Yeah, 100. percent We gotta we gotta build up our next generation, and and we gotta realize too that uh, you know the there's a lot of people that are 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 just neglecting their children. I, I think today's world is so so fast and furious. I even catch myself sometimes, like I'm just I'm glued to always posting for my my businesses or I'm uh, answering emails or I'm you know doing stuff and I tell my wife all the time like man I really need to focus on my children right now because and 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 being aware of that is is first and foremost then taking action on that right um, and uh, it's easy to do in today's world it's a faster world but if we don't if we don't take care of our next generation then we're in we're in a world of hurt and so um, it's awesome that, that you are taking that effort and that time to do that. Uh, Wesley, I, I know that you're, you're big on coaching and stuff, and, and, and you got some kids too. How, how old are I your do. kids? Um, they're three and five. 
yeah. So, 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 what are your kids into at this point in time? You know, the my oldest one, he they both like to ride. They've got a horse that fits them good, and they they will rope. And the little one's kind of a little bit more carefree, but if the older one starts doing it, he wants to do it too. So they they are both into that, and they 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 do like going to the rodeo. So like they travel with me all year, and that's fun. Uh, they have a lot of friends and stuff, so they get to play with them and, and be gone. So it's really fun to have them with me. Uh, they're they're very uh, you know they'll they'll outdoors. You know they're not big into um, you know I don't let them do the video game stuff much. I mean we play Mario Kart maybe as yeah. a family at night every once in a while, but that's pretty fun. But yeah, um, so they're they're kind of pretty active, pretty active little guys. They get up early and and go hard. So uh, they they kind of do it all. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, uh, we we talk. You know, all three of us, I guess, have uh, have traveled the the country and been to lots of rodeos. One question that I want to ask, because I have two different, you know, events here that we're working with, is what is your favorite rodeo to go to and compete at, and uh, the setup, whether it be setup or just the atmosphere. Uh, Wesley, I'll start with you. What's your favorite? So I'm gonna go with two. I'm gonna go with Houston for the indoor rodeo. Um, mm. Kind of how you know how they treat everybody there. The hospitality is great. Um, it's a fun, big setup. Uh, it, it's a really cool rodeo, and to see how they involve you know some of the people that you see there that are involved in our sport and industry, it's kind of cool to see that come together. And uh, I, the summertime rodeo, I like Pendleton. I, I wish I could appreciate it more. As far like you know, it's that time of the year you're like man, I'm ready to get home. Like that's yeah. the last rodeo that you're headed home. Mm -hmm. um, you've, that's the longest stretch you've been gone um, from, you know, the, you might go home like after Cheyenne for a week or two, or, or we normally get to, and then when we go back, uh, by the time you get to Pendleton, you've been gone, you're ready to get home. But I do love that rodeo. It's, it's fun to rope there. I really enjoy it. Um, but like I said, I, I think that, you know, it, it's the timing that kind of fits. Sometimes yeah. I, I wish I appreciate it even more than I do because it's so cool, but we're yeah. easily ready to get home at that time, but it's it's a really cool outside, you know, rodeo. For sure, Kelly. How about yours? Man, I, I would. I love Pendleton. I'm not gonna lie, but it's right over elk season, so it's really tough for me to pick <laughs> that one. But and 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 you're a, and you're a bow hunter. <laughs> That's right. I am bow. But no, I mean, I'm like me and you are very similar in this question because I'm. I, of course, Vegas is going to be number one because I'm a big rodeo rider. I love the lights, the atmosphere. The louder it is, the ranker it is. I love that. But when it comes to rodeos outside this, you know, one thing that, you know, it's fun to have traveling partners have the same com commonality that you have. Josie and I never really drew the best horse in the pen. We always would draw like the eliminators. Like one of us might have a good one, but the other one's gonna have the worst one in the, or the hardest one to ride in the pen. And having somebody that thrived off of that just as much as I did was important because I got into bareback riding to be the guy that could ride the rank horses better than anybody, right? And you've got to have a standard. Like anybody can ride a hopper and spur their head off and get off and, you know, poke your chest out and walk down the fence, but not too many can ride a rank horse and spur his head off and then get off and poke your chest out and walk down the fence. So for me, it was always about the rankest horses in the world and the environment that had everything else with it, the, the loudness, the noise and all that. And I guess the number one outdoor rodeo for me by far would have to be Pinocchio. Like that is the rankest horse riding, aside from Cloverdale, which is rank horse, but crazy, not handled, but that one's pretty bad. But Pinocchio <laughs> is rank. Like those horses are close to home. We're talking without an hour away, you know, almost all of yeah. them. And it's, it doesn't get much more than that. For indoor, I mean, it, that one's hard too because, you know, Houston's always been kind of, my breakthrough rodeo where I really, really made it big. You know, that was where I won second my very first year with my pro card and like never thought there was ever gonna be a dry day. So that one has a special meaning in my heart, but doesn't have the rank as horses unless Calgary or some other guys are there. So, but I still love the, the hospitality, the people, the environment, like everything that associated with it outside the horse environment has probably gotta be second for me, for sure. Yeah, you know, Pinocchio is, Outstanding. Actually, the last time that I was at Pinocchio, um, I come back to the four-man round, and I had, uh, remember I had rapper Margie, and uh, she had her big swoop right out of there, and a lot of guys usually have heck and get bucked off there, and I was still there at three, three seconds, and she ended up hogging off with me. 
I think I was first or second and, out. And that happens a lot when, when, you know, the thing with ranked horses is like most of the time they're going to be better because most guys are too afraid to go at them, right? Yeah. And then you have the rare exception where they have bucked so many people off at that zone or have got them so loose where they're not getting a hold of them anymore that they just torture the guy. But when yeah. you really are there, like really there still and able to use your feet, do things correctly, sometimes they don't know what the heck to do. They're like, okay, game I, is out the door. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to run off. And, and if any of you have, <laughs> have ever watched Pinocchio or been to Pinocchio, it's a big arena. It's a huge arena. Right. And I remember I was at the other end of the arena, and I was kind of halfway worn out because we'd already been on a, a uh, eight-man round horse before that. So we get on these rank four-man round horses. I'm at the end of the arena. I just put it all out on the line. I get off. They award me a rewrite, of course. I mean, who, like, what's it pay to win the last round? Like, 50000 Huh? It's like, yeah, 25000 25 or 30000 yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I'm not, not going to take my rewrite. Like, this is <laughs> dumb. And I remember looking at you, and I said, like, go grab my rig. And I remember I walked from the back end of Pinocchio's arena, and I literally crawled over the buck and shoots and stepped on my re-ride. Yep. You had already set my rig in and had it, had it, it was on Princess Warrior. Yep. And that was the most worn out I think I ever was when I got off Princess Warrior. I, li I literally had no, I just laid in the middle of the arena. But I think but, you still played, like you were either what second yeah second or third I think I was 86 or seven points yeah. but you know Pinocchio's is a great one I gotta go with Wesley though on on Pendleton because me on the other hand I could enjoy Pendleton right. I live five hours from Pendleton so I've been home and I've been rodeoing out of there for the northwest so um and I and I love going to Pendleton because I love to rope at Pendleton as well and my family can go with me and um it's just that old western just like old raw cowboy feel like the cowboys rise to the top there i feel like never had any luck at pendleton i always drew at the middle of the pack um, but the just the atmosphere is great and as far as the indoor rodeos go i gotta go with san antonio i mean as a bareback rider to be in that opening and that hype when they play bad company and you're pulling your rig and i mean it's the it's the most it's it's the best feeling in the world i like loud music that's why i brought drew taylor in here um, Drew Taylor's been nominated for Sound Man of the Year. Go follow him. He does a, an awesome job. But, uh, yeah, San Antonio, I got to go with San Antonio. So, and, and, you know, San Antonio does a great job with their Cowboys as well. The hospitality is great. It is. It's, it's a really good one. Look at this. See, Drew's on the spot. Right? Drew is on the spot. I, I will say that I would show up to, Pen or to uh, Pendleton every year, a day or two in advance, just to watch the tiny events. Like, I was yeah. behind the stand. Like, it, was crazy, it does right? not get any better than that, really. Like, one, time, cool. one time I went to Pendleton, and I was with my team roping partner. I can't even remember who it was. It was, a, it was the very first time I entered Pendleton in the team roping. But I'd been there three or four times in the bareback riding already. And uh, my, I had our buddy team with us. I don't remember who it was. I think Colby Sidaway was, was on the other buddy team, and maybe Ty Bingham was healing for me or something. Anyways, uh, on the way over, they're, like, they're trying to harass me, like, oh, you wait till you come running off this hill and you hit that grass like it's scary blah 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 like they're trying to scare me and stuff i said listen why don't you guys run your freaking hand in one of them riggins and nod your head and when that bucking horse hits the grass and you ain't got no control then you tell me what scary is and they just kind of shut up after that but I will, I will admit it is dangerous in every every single event that's the reason why i like watching that I mean, I think there's more. I think there's more team ropers actually get hurt at Pendleton than I, any other. I event. think it, if you go anything less than full speed, like I think it's dangerous. Like it, the, yeah. the the more you just go at it and really be aggressive, and you know, mainly if a header gets a really good start, it's not bad. Yeah. You know, but if you miss the barrier, or you're kind of timid, or you want to hold your horse up too much. Like that's kind of when you see things go wrong. Really, in my opinion, like. When you go full blast and, and go, you know, act like nothing's there, then it, it seems like it goes a little bit better than it is if you just kind of tippy-toe around it. You'll yeah. see a lot more falls. And I feel like in the bareback ride, that's what, that's what made me, like, kind of go at it in the team roping is because I'm just so used to the unexpected. I got a picture of me winning the round at Fresno one year, or at uh, Clovis, not Fresno, Clovis, and uh, my horse completely fell down. I stuck it on him, and I got his head, and my horse started that first momentum, and my little sorrel horse, 
actually Jojo Lamont made the finals on me. He leased him from me the last year Jojo went to the finals. Horse was really, really quick and catty. But I hung it on this steer and, and moved him, and they got a picture of this horse completely like my feet are dragging the ground. And I just kept kicking and spurring my guy, ended up getting him roped, and I just stood up and faced. And we ended up winning the second round at Clovis because of that. And uh, Joel Bach, he says, you are the only team roper that I know that would do that. <laughs> and I said, well, we're just used to that, unexpected. Yeah. So, anyways. but yeah, I uh, got a funny story about Pendleton. I, uh, the year that I won it was 2010, the 100 year, which was pretty cool. But the, my very first horse was Booger's Pet of Corcos. Do you remember that horse? Oh, yeah. So, I've been on him six times. Yeah. I actually got on him at Pendleton. <laughs> And I think they were going to stop the rodeo because I could not get out on him. Like, he'd oh, just lean mean. on you and just he'd try to bite you. And yep. And that's the – so, yeah, so when he, when he first came around, he was a really nice horse to ride. After a year, he turned into a big bucking dude and mean, hard to get out on, try to bite you. I mean, every – he was just nasty. And uh, I was one of those guys that pulled my own rig, and I didn't let anybody else touch my stuff. Like, I wanted it the same every single time. I was pretty adamant about it. And I'd, you know, hook my cinch, get everything right, ready, and then I'd get in there and, and get it set and then climb out just make sure things were right. And I got in there on him. Part of the reason is I wanted to kind of get him used to me coming in and out of there so I didn't die because those chutes are so big, man. People don't realize how big the, the wood chutes of Pendleton are. Like, they, a little horse can almost turn around in there, right? They're massive. Yeah. So, anyway, I climb in there, and TJ Corco and his dad Jim are standing right there. And I'm, <laughs> I climb in there, and I'm just checking my cinches. And Booger, he gets his butt clear back in the corner of that chute, and he's turned around. And I'm not kidding you. He's, like, trying to bite me in the face, and he's going, Hong! like, inches away from my nose. Like, I can feel his breath and his teeth clicking right, right at my face, like hitting my brim and doing the whole thing. And after about five of these, I'd look over and said, would you guys get him off me? And they're just standing there. He's tied in and stuff. And Jim goes, oh, heck, Kale, all he's doing is saying hello. <laughs> You know, I mean, th this horse was a well, he was a cool horse. I remember, um, and he but he was mean. I will tell you that. I remember I had him in the short round at Salinas one year, and you both know what the weather's like at Salinas. You would think that in July, you know, it's midsummer, it's hot, but when you go to Salinas first thing in the morning, it's cold. Like Chilly, you, you need a sure. coat. Well, I had just went, I was up at Cheyenne the day before, and I caught a, I caught a flight out there to go to, to Salinas for the short round, and I just took a small sweatshirt, and it, that was dumb on my part. I should have brought something a little bigger, but the rodeo starts at 11 a.m. there, the short round, and uh, I had Booger's Pet, and I, I did not want to, like, I didn't want to stretch. I was cold, and I was kind of just standing there, <laughs> and I look back there, and here's Booger's Pet, and he was looking at me, like I swear he was, he was staring through my soul. I'm like, geez, and he's intimidating. He's a, his head's as big as a stage. He's got a big old ugly head on him. And he literally looks at me and he puts his front right leg up on the, on the uh, railing of the fence and he leans back and he stretches. And then he puts his other leg up there and he leans back and he stretches and I'm like, what the heck? This is the first time I ever had him. I'm like, this is a crazy. Like, this cat actually is getting ready for me. Right. Anyways, I end up having him, and, and we, I think we went second in the round, and I end up winning second in the average. That was one buckle I always wanted to win. And a, a, a fun fact is I had, I, I've won second at Salinas three times. Twice in the bareback riding and once in the team roping. Manny Egasquiza was healing for me, and we, I, <laughs> we were like fifth or sixth back, and just made a nice solid run, and it fell apart. And I looked at Manny, and I'm like, I've been wanting to win this freaking rodeo for years, and I've been here in the bareback riding and couldn't get it done. This is going to be weird if I do it in the team roping. Didn't get it done, but that was one of those deals, that, or one of those rodeos I always won that buckle. Like, have That's either a one cool of you one. That's very I was high callback this year and missed. Oh, geez. Sorry. Sorry, yeah, yeah, Sorry to bring that up. What's that rodeo like to rope out of? Like, it, I, it's I fun. Ask. I mean, it, it's you're going so fast. I mean, you're, you know, the healer and, uh, you know, it's kind of, they kind of mess with the guy if you break the heel barrier, you know, because you both come out of the box. But it's like you don't want to be late because the head horse is always faster than the heel horse. So, like, it, you don't want to be behind them. So, too far. 
so you want to get a pretty good start, but I mean, you're rolling down through there, and the steers are really usually strong and real fresh, so like everything's hitting down the arena and fast, so it's, it's kind of fun. Like, I like it because you can rope aggressive. Like, if you, you make a good run, you'll place in the round, but you can still kind of not take a wild shot and still be in the average, you know, so it's kind of fun to always be on the offense a little bit there. Like, if you're not, like in the short go, we were high call and we had we actually had to make it, the team before us drill Loper made a really good run, but we had to be decent to win it. We kind of had all day to win second, and like we went past the point of like where I thought we could win, so I went safety up just a little bit, and like it was hard. Like this year was running, you know, super fast, and so it's like if you're pretty like on offense there, it's definitely better, but it's really cool because you're you're rolling. I mean, we placed in a couple of rounds, but it, it's it's a really fun rodeo to rope at. So really prestigious. Like riding around before the short go. I wasn't that caught up in it, you know, or anything. Like, you don't get that. But, like, all the old guys that are there for the gold card, they're all up there, man, we're rooting for you. You know, we hope you win this rodeo. Like, that's a cool buckle. I'm like, yeah. shoot, should I be nervous? <laughs> no, you know? no pressure. Yeah. So, so you know, you kind of, it, it's cool to see that because, like, those guys really care a lot about yeah. it. Or they'll tell you about one story where they were leading it on three, you know, 20 years ago and they had that opportunity, you know, and or, or they were high call back and then they drew a runner. So it's like, it's cool how much they, you know, and they were kind of guys, you, you know, I mean, everybody, I mean, HP Evans, I mean, they go buy yeah. their cards and come out just for Salinas. And yeah. so it's kind of, it was pretty cool. That's a cool feeling to ride around and kind of talk to those guys. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're, we're getting here towards the end of our show, but one thing that I want to touch on, you know, as many of you well know that uh, I'm the owner of Silver Lining Herbs and, and horse health uh, and, and our own health is a, is a big passion in my family's life, you know. What is it that you guys do to uh, keep your horses healthy? What is some of the things that you deal with on your horse health that uh, you would like to keep ahead of? Like, we're really big about being proactive instead of reactive. And, uh, you know, what are the things that you deal with in your industry that you really work, like, have to, like, stay ahead of before that becomes a big problem? So one thing, like I'm big on riding them and keeping them in shape because, I mean, they travel so much in the trailer a lot and then you compete on them and like, you know, a lot of people want to save their horse, you know, take, you know, give them a break or whatever, but then they have to go use them. At, at, so, so like, I think that they're more prone to accident there. So like, I really try to keep my horses in as good a shape as I can. Um, not necessarily mean roping on them. Like I may rope the dummy or go slow, but I can try to keep them in, in good shape and, um, just pay attention to, you know, their habits and how they make sure they're eating, you know, morning and night, drinking a lot of water because the rodeo, I mean, they're, they're traveling so many miles and they're all over and it's, diff you know, there's a lot of stress on them. I mean, they go to different rodeos with, it's loud. I mean, even the most seasoned horses sometimes will, you know, it's super loud. It's a tight, small environment or a huge crowd or like you go through Puyallup, you're walking through the fair. I mean, so there's a lot of things, you know, you want to check them for ulcers and check them for just a lot of things like that you try to want to stay on top of or EPM or there's just a lot of things you can kind of prevent or give them, the, you know, in advance to, to make sure they're the healthiest they can be and work the best and just kind of kind of understand the horse to where you know their their habits and their um, when they're off and trying to try to cut it off, like you said, being proactive instead of reactive. You know, you want to get it uh, before it comes becomes an issue because they're I mean they're extremely valuable I mean it's just so hard as hard as it is to find these horses that can compete at that level and, and the difference it makes from you being at that level and then not quite good enough mm. there's such a fine line there of how valuable they are to us um, so that's that's a really important thing for me absolutely you know and that's a, that's a huge thing is uh, a lot of people uh, treat these horses like tools rather than you know, actual beings, and and uh, it's it's very important to listen to these horses. They can't physically talk to you, but they will talk to you if you listen. And uh, you know, they they tell you in so many different ways. And Kelly, I know, you know, that was one thing that um, has been really close in our in our friendship is is being horsemen first and foremost. There's a reason why we got on why why we was able to get out on the bad ones in the box is because of our horsemanship skills. And now that you're done rodeoing, um, I know that you are um, embarking in, um, you know, horse health. Like, you're a really good horseshoer. You've, you're a, a, a horse dentist. And I was just telling Wesley before the show that uh, I knew that you would be a really good horse dentist because you was always meticulous about your gear. 
And when you went to school to be a horse dentist, I knew that you would be really good at it. So um, how important is it um, quickly before we end up here to, um, to stay on top of that and, and pay attention to your horses? I mean, it's, it's everything. It's just like what Wesley said is about, you know, being able to, to make sure that you're on the, on the offense instead of the defense where you can catch things prior. Being able to keep your horse's mouth right um, works all the way through their body clear to their feet whether it's a good stop or, or just being able for, to utilize their feed more correctly to where internally they're, they're able to, to, to get what they need out of their food. And then at the same time, you're saving money because they're producing a higher outcome with higher quality feed, but they're, you're using less of that product. Mm. So that's a big thing. A couple things that, that we've really got into with, with the dentistry part, I really dove into the nutritionalist background with equine science and things that we get into. And... I'm, I'm, man, I cannot agree more with what he said about exercise. It's six below at the house. Sometimes it's even, you know, cold. And I shouldn't say cold in that, but windy, snowy. And we still exercise our horses every single day, no matter what. Because not only these running horses, if, they're, if those lungs aren't built up and strong, you're going to have bleeding issues, maintenance issues with the muscles, the joints, and all that stuff. So it's not only the feed and everything you're putting them, it is the, the exercise that you're doing. But some of the things that we found out with horses especially is how we feed and what we feed. So a lot of times people, I hear this all the time in, in especially the barrel race industry, man, if I feed my horse like alfalfa, she's going to get hot and, and I just can't do anything with her and blah, blah, blah. Well, alfalfa is a protein-based feed. It doesn't make them hot. The problem is, is that you're feeding them morning and night, and they have this whole span of time in between there where they, they can grind that alfalfa up really quickly, and they can have it ate down within 30 minutes to an hour, maybe even earlier. So the rest of the time, they're just sitting there. And at one point in that day, that horse can have up to 18 pounds of acid in their gut which causes anxiety, which causes ulcers, causes kidney issues, all these different things. And a horse was designed to forage 22 hours a day. You know that? 22 hours a day. So if you can keep something in front of them to keep the acid down in their gut, not only will your horse have a better health and won't have the internal issues going on, but that horse isn't going to be hot. They're not going to be reactive when you go to bear You won't have the mare mood problems because their kidneys aren't hurting and so on and so forth with the maintenance of the products. And that's the other thing is I don't use anything that's a medical-type product. I use everything that is herbal, natural, because there's a reason people have been doing things for generation and generation. One of the favorite things that your dad would tell me, like he would, he'd explain how herbs work, and I think a lot of people don't get this, but... The season when the cockaburs are out and the horse is down in those freaking cockaburs and he comes up and he's covered in them. And you're like, there's no grass down there. There's nothing down there. What the heck is he down there doing? I did a story with this. My right? wife was picking burdock out of one of our horse's manes. Yeah. Burdock is a blood purifier. It's yeah. a blood cleanser. And if you have a horse that is, you know, because you might have 10 horses in the same pasture. And one, and is covered. one horse is just covered in, in burdock. Well, right. Look at that. This is what I'm talking about. Listening to your horse because exactly. Exactly. because there's a reason why he's infested with it. He's trying to cleanse his blood. There's some something going on in his body yeah. that we need to pay attention to. Yeah, and that and but they're going to tell you what's going on. The same thing with if they get sick of the arena, you know, because we've been doing the same thing over and over. Like Wesley was saying, that some buck might try to buck you off that day, he, yeah. or he's going to be pulling crap all the time. Like what's going on? Well, he's bored. He needs to get out of there. He's telling you what what the horse needs, and it's kind of case in point. We've got a mare that we just bought last year that's she's a uh, out of a real quick dash Frenchman like bred up running sucker and for six or eight months man she was pacing up and down the fence and like just never happy didn't want to you know have your hands on her too long and like just didn't have that personal ability and I like to hug on my horse and I like to spend time with them when I started transitioning feed from giving them some type of product where they could chew on all day with a hay bag, you know, like what you guys have, the hay bag, and put that in there in front of her. That mare, within three weeks, we do the oil, we do the maintenance. Um, sometimes we'll do the mare moods depending on the, the season, time of year. Kin kidney cleanse, like, you know, mm -hmm. but only for a couple months, 60 days, I think is kind of the max that we do. But this mare, within three weeks of being able to give her something to keep that acidity down, it completely turned her around. Before she would get in there and react to the barrel run, like blow, she would use the whole arena sometimes, you know, just out of the out of the blue. And then 
put her on that, and this mare, we almost brought her here to run her, and she has not been consistent in over a year, and we almost brought her because she just did a 180. But, but the one thing with the, I got to say, is with the hay bags, any feed with a horse, if it's above or close to their wither height, a horse cannot salivate, so they'll choke. You've got to have that hay down below their design to eat off the ground. So you got to keep that feed down so they can salivate, get everything ground up, masticate the way that they need to. So that's a cha-ching moment right there. There plus, we go. Plus, it's a major cause of kissing spine when they're yeah. eating above their wither. So. But that's nice. a big one. If you use a hay bag, got to drop that sucker down. I see a lot of people have it up. You got to put it down. Awesome. So. Drew, on the spot, buddy. So, man, I, I, feel like, like, I feel like an hour show is not even long enough. I feel like we could have this conversation for another three or four hours. Yeah. So we don't have time for those stories today, but we're going to come back and, and, and do it again. So, guys, thank you so much for being on this show today. Uh, Wesley, how can people follow you and stay in touch with you on social sites? So I, I do have a Facebook and Instagram page, and I, I try to stay active posting runs and kind of updates and even some family stuff and what's going on. So I try, I try to stay up to date on all that, so Facebook and, or Instagram mainly. And your, and your handle, do you remember your handle? Wesley, it is, uh, Wesley Thorpe professional team roper. Okay. Kelly. And you have YouTube, right? A couple of videos. On I, I, I have YouTube. Yeah, there's some videos of stuff I've done for some different, you know, things on that. But. And I Kelly, how can they follow yeah. you? Um, open a six equine, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or whatever, or just my personal. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And I just want to point out, we do have some tack, rock, tack room talk apparel over here. My beautiful wife, Hannah, is going to be uh, helping you guys out with that. If you want any of that, T-shirts, ball caps, get Kelly or Wesley to sign one of those for you. Um, also, this furniture that we are setting on, I don't know if Darcy is around, but this furniture is for sale. It's pretty swanky. Um, maybe I could talk my wife into letting it go in our house. I don't know. But this is for sale. Anybody that's live online, DM me if you guys are interested. And uh, we will be back here tomorrow for the second show. Tomorrow we do have uh, Champion Living Fitness, Doug Champion, uh, helping ro rodeo athletes stay in shape and, and be more successful. Also, Kayla Bennett, the man with the pretty white smile, will be on here tomorrow. And uh, I hope to see you all uh, back here tomorrow. Guys, thank you again. That's thank our show for today. Thanks for having me. Company